Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and this is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with someone that I'm very grateful and humbled to call a friend, Dr. Zach Bush. Dr. Zach Bush is a physician specializing in internal medicine, endocrinology, and hospice care. He's an internationally recognized educator and thought leader on the microbiome as it relates to health, disease, and food systems. This conversation was far reaching to say the least. We, well, he breaks down what is light, how does that manifest itself in the body, what is our relationship to light, to sun, how do different lights affect us in different ways, what is some of the, the roots of disease, and um, get back, get into like ancient Greek philosophy and things. I'm really grateful for the way that Zach's mind operates. And I'm really grateful to share this conversation with you guys. Appreciate you. Thank you for subscribing to this so you get each week's episode. Thank you for leaving us reviews, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this. That is it. That is all. Appreciate you all. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this conversation. Dr. Bush, we are here. Good to be with you. <laughs> That's how you start a podcast. We have arrived. <laughs> Take how me to are your you, leader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to talk to you about many things. One of the things I think would be interesting to start with, I wonder when, where, and why there's been, it's a certain time in history, uh, it seems like a split or a divergence from humans being one within nature to being uh, like atop of nature and being like the lords and the possessors of nature, as Descartes said. When, why, how, mainly why, from your perspective, when, uh, I think is probably the, the origin of the ego. There was a moment in time when we believed ourselves to be separate from nature and, you know, the myth that we have in religious scriptures and all of that, that date back, you know, and when I say myth, I'm not saying it's not true. It's just a, a narrative, a story that's been told for thousands of years through many different religious paradigms is the construct of some version of the garden and then a separation from God, a separation from nature uh, in that split. And it's when we recognize ourselves separate from that, that seems to occur. And when you see yourself separate from nature, it immediately induces a state of consciousness that I would categorize as scarcity. And so as soon as you believe in scarcity, you have appropriate reaction, which is fear. Because as soon as you come to believe that there's scarcity, then there's a fear of running out of everything. Fear of running out of food, fear of running out of water, fear of running out of sex, repro reproduction, fear of running out of your species. And so there's this constant state of sense of lack. And interestingly, scripture even you know, describes this not as a phenomenon that does not occur in nature. So, you know, the scriptures are typically like you know, the wildflowers in the field never are want for anything nor do they believe them, their souls to be lacking at all. And so what is it that makes a wildflower feel complete and a human to feel incomplete and a human to begin to believe in this scarcity mentality? 
so that's kind of probably the origin of at least our written and perhaps our storytelling narrative as to where we start to come into these instances of scarcity, therefore extraction from nature, therefore against nature kind of constructs that you're talking about. And so despite that reality, there's many people in history who've come into this moment where they suddenly realize they're connected to everything. And there's no such thing as scarcity. There's only abundance within the universe. There's abundance of energy. All energy is connected. Therefore, there can be no lack of anything. And so that's kind of probably two dueling philosophies or senses of reality that have existed since the origin of our current modern history, at least. And that modern history might date back 16,000 years, something like that. Yeah. I wonder, so something I've heard you say that really actually kind of blew my mind recently. And it's so simple and so like obvious and like, of course, but I don't think I've really processed it the way that I did listening to another conversation with you yesterday. And it was that nature never wastes, like everything has a function, like your, your poop and your pee and like all of the things you'd be like, oh, that's like the waste. It's like, yeah. no, 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 it's fertilizer. It's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, the propagation of new life in, in some other form. And I'm curious with that, the question of like the divergence from being within nature to kind of like sitting atop of nature, I wonder like, why did nature do that? Because ultimately human beings are nature. Like, what's the evolutionary function of us kind of being like, seemingly like alienated from nature? Like, what is the function of that from your perspective? Yeah, so I think we can start with the zero waste concept there. So, you know, not only is stool or urine good for fertilizing plants, for example. So when you go pee on a tree, that's got an enormous amount of nitrogen, phosphorus, and other micro trace nutrients that are great for the tree. You put that instead into a toilet and it goes to your municipal, you know, septic area. It, it then gets treated as a toxin and, and it's chlorinated and it's, it's, everything's destroyed. So we try to kill all the microorganisms, all of that. So we're constantly in this battle against the waste, you know, because it's seen as a, a disgusting, you know, toxic thing. And it plays into our understanding of public health as well, because we recognize if you drink from, you know, water that's been contaminated with stool, you can get microbes in the gut that shouldn't be there. So the conditions like cholera and other conditions like that were, you know, endemic in areas of the world before uh, we cleaned up the sewer systems. And so we came to believe them all to be waste. And then in the last couple of decades, we've come to realize that, you know, we've developed these, the most severe chronic diseases in history now, autoimmune diseases, the worst cancers ever imagined are now occurring on the planet, neurologic degenerative conditions of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's and the like. And by and large, we now are realizing the microbiome of the gut is at the foundation of all that. And so now we realize and are actually treating patients with stool. And so a fecal transplant is now a go-to for conditions of you know, uh, colitis, you know, which is an uh, autoimmune disease, but also deeper conditions, chronic fatigue syndrome, chronic pain syndrome. So fecal transplants have started to play a role in lots of different conditions out there, recognizing that a strong soil system within your gut is the beginning of health. And so when we see these weird, disconnected, chronic conditions, we, we now can wrap all of those back to a, a loss of this microbiome diversity. And so a fecal transplant uh, from stool from a healthy individual can radically change that person's health in the, in the weeks to follow. And so in the same way, we find out urine has a whole bunch of medicine in it as well. So urine has these microRNA and all kinds of uh, little ketones and other things that are really critical for 
metabolic shift, immune activation, anti-inflammatories, as well as genetic shift and genetic modification, looking for adaptation to stressors. And so there really is no waste from the human body. And in the same way we look out there, there's, there's no waste in nature. And so nature does all these closed loop systems. So carbon, nitrogen, phosphorus, there's not a single atom of carbon that wasn't here at the beginning of time, you know, like beginning of origin of earth, all the elements were here. We live in a vacuum space. You could perhaps argue that a couple of meteors have hit the planet since, you know, the origin 4 billion years ago. But aside from some of that extraterrestrial information from meteors, we're a closed loop system. The same elements have been here forever. And so when we talk about water shortages and food shortages and this or that shortage, it doesn't mean it disappeared from the earth. It means that we just lost the, the energetic form of the food or the clean water. And by not understanding those cycles in nature, we created waste systems. And so doing, we disrupted the natural cycle of, of food to energy into the animal, back out the animal, into the soils, into the plants, back up into the atmosphere and vice versa, you know, and back through the system. So by thinking that we were separate from nature, by believing in waste, by believing in scarcity, we started, you know, all these approaches. But the five senses really conspired against us in this. And I think that the, your question was really, why are we capable of seeing ourselves separate? And I think the answer is five senses. We've got this unique vision that's much different than an insect or a bat or whatnot. And in German, they have a great word for this. It's the Umfeld, U-M-V-E-L-T, I think it's spelled there, the Umfeld. And the Umfeld is basically your perceived reality. It's the way that your senses put patterns together to recognize where you are in the world. And human senses recognize separation better than other species. And so a bumblebee or a frog or a lizard or you know, said bat across that spectrum of insect to mammal, they see the world as a continuum of energy and waveforms. And they don't necessarily understand one thing to be completely separate from another. Because when you're in that infrared, ultraviolet or sonar environment, everything is waveform. And you can recognize distinct identities within the waveforms, but you easily can perceive the interconnectedness and the vibrational mixing or harmonizing of all of the things in the environment. And so the senses of the human being so exacting are very good at giving us a sense of separate. I'm here, tree is over there. I must be different than the tree. I must be separate from the tree. The tree registers in my eyeball. Eyeball is green. A bumblebee sees no color. There's no green. There's no red, red flower for it to go to. There's, there's no color. Everything is vibration. And so I think we were equipped with these five senses to give us a sense of separateness. And one of the blessings of being human is our capacity to perceive beauty. And ultimately, I think that's the why were we given the five senses? Why did we develop five senses to, that would convince us that we were separate from? And this is the phenomenon where the fish can never find the water. The fish in the water knows nothing but water. It doesn't make sense of the water is there or not there. It just, its world is the water. Hmm. In this, so when you don't have the five senses that we're imbued with, there's a continuum between your environment and yourself. In the human world, you can see the water separate from yourself. You can see the air separate from yourself. You can see the tree separate from yourself. And this gives us a unique capacity for perceiving the beauty of the universe. And so we can look through the Hubble telescope. 
and we can see the images there and be mind blown by the beauty of the cosmos. Or we can take a microscope and look down into cellular systems and be dumbstruck in awe of the architecture and the, the literal miraculous nature of life within us. And we can all sit down from any race, creed, age group, socioeconomic class, and all look at the same sunset. And everybody knows that's beautiful. Nobody has to be told when you see this mix of color palettes in the sky against clouds and the sun setting over the horizon, that's beautiful. And so because we have this innate knowingness at the soul spiritual level of beauty, and we have five senses that give us an ability to separate ourselves far enough to look back into our, into our nature to say, wow, that is beautiful. That gives us a different consciousness, a different spectrum of experience than some other animal in nature. And so I think that's ultimately the why. Why was this multicellular creature that, you know, seems to be imbued with some alternate version of a consciousness, why would it be given senses that believed itself to be separate and therefore it goes on this long journey of, of separation and scarcity and battle against self and extraction and the existential threat to the planet and we're causing the sixth extinction? Why, 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 why? And the answer has to do something with the fact that we have the capacity to be witness to nature. And there's something really important about that, that the philosopher Epicurus in Greece 2000 years ago really dug into. And he came to understand that the human in its highest calling will experience pleasure and beauty at every moment. That's Epicurus's vision of the highest function, highest state of being, highest path for any human to maximize your capacity to be witness to beauty and pleasure at every level. And his work ultimately got kind of co-opted by the movement of hedonism and all that, which then got co-opted by the church to say this is evil because it's about sex and things like that. But hedonism actually, or in Epicurus' science in particular, didn't have anything to do with sex as any, any particularly important part of it. Our capacity to see and feel beauty should happen when we sit and breathe like we did at the beginning of this podcast. Those 30 deep breaths are enough to send you into a physical ecstatic state of, man, I can feel what it feels like to be invigorated by that deep breath. I can feel the relaxation in my ribs and the muscles around my ribs as I finally give that big exhale. That's a sensory system capable of feeling and seeing and sensing an ecstatic state, a beautiful state. And that's, I think, why the five senses, why we're separate and why we are uniquely equipped to see the beauty of the divine or, or the cosmos. Yeah. Yeah. The, my curiosity is I, I just wonder if, you know, from a 30,000 foot view, all of the pollution and production of plastic waste and war and destruction and depression and anxiety and like all of the things, if it's like actually there's some omnipotent force out there it's like oh no no it's all a part of it like this is this is perfectly in alignment you know or is it just like like ultimately absolutely like well, bad like like uh, like wrong direction <laughs> you know and and so my i i kind of feel like the the whole separation you know or alienation from nature or from ourselves or from any of that it feels almost like like what a, a toddler would go through in creating their, what is it called? Not, 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 what is it called? Separate separation of mind. You're coming into a place where it's like, okay, like I'm not just my mom. Like, like, yes, you are, you know, but I got to in order for me to develop this ego and this body and, and like come into the world, 
I actually, it's, it's, it's actually healthy for me to create some separation. And then eventually the toddler grows up and, you know, they, they get older and, you know, they come back into the, the realization awareness, like, oh, I really was a part of my mom and my mom was the earth and my mom was my community. And like, I, there has been this unicity the whole entire time, but it's just this natural arc of consciousness development or so. And, it, and to me, it feels kind of like that's where we're at as a, a society was we're at this maybe like toddler level right now. And we're kind of messing some things. We're making some messes, but it's a, a part of this grander journey. What do you think about that? Yeah, the path is definitely perfect, right? It's happening in our universe here. So it, the path is certainly not a mistake in that way. Uh, we are maturing as a species. We're maturing as a planet, even. The planet has gone through these interesting mathematical shifts over the last decade, uh, last five years or so, from kind of a three-dimensional torus-type structure to our gravitational field to a fourth dimension briefly, which is a very unstable dimensional energy, to a fifth dimension state sometime in 2018. And in that fifth dimensional math, the, the double torus that's around any sphere uh, in nature, including our planet, you end up with you know a very different physical plane of behavior within the physics of nature behaves differently in the fifth dimension torus than it does in a three-dimensional torus and it gives us the ability now to play in this field of vibration outside of our previous experience uh, fifth dimensional math is able to separate itself from things like time for example and so there's the possibility that biology starts to be able to express life beyond a time some sort of chronologic timeline that we would currently be recognizing as humans in our three-dimensional mindset, our three-dimensional understanding of biology, there's a literal shift in possibility on the planet right now. And that gets me excited because so far we've seen a very destructive kind of behavior where everything is in this rotting state within the human constructs. But as we start to learn from a nature that is fifth dimensional instead of three dimensional in the centuries to come, we may find ourselves in a much different relationship to the cosmos, to all physical matter and the like, as we start to adopt this higher math. Yeah. And you mentioned the Epicurus and kind of like the Greek perspective. I was just in, in Greece like a month ago and we went to the island of Delos and various different places that we visited like uh, Delos from my understanding, if I remember correctly, is was kind of like the the, the primary epicenter of medicine and, and health. And what, something that I learned there that I thought was really amazing and left an impression was, from my understanding, hospitals and theaters were either like right beside each other or very close to each other. And when you go to a medical center or hospital, as you would enter the space, that would be this, it would be beautiful and there would be art and they, they'd have like, you know, you'd get into like a hot tub and it would be, you know, there'd be beautiful sensual smells. It was like this tantric experience as you enter into the hospital. And, and, and the reasoning behind that was from the ancient Greek perspective, your soul and your physical body, they were it's like a two-way interconnected street. Like they, they're feeding off of each other. And so if the soul level is sick or, you know, maligned in some, some capacity, that will, will come out into the physical form. And so the way that they would start to open up some of like the density of the body and, the, you know, the, the soul would be through art. 
and through inspiration and through awe and through the senses and come into a place like, wow, you know, and then we start to practice medicine. And I just thought that was such an interesting thing. I feel like that's something that that's been kind of trend, like lost, like that perspective. And I, I wonder, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, that sounds brilliant, obviously, right? And so you, know, the, you contrast that to today and our definition of aesthetic is much different now in a hospital. So I spent 17 years in academic centers and hospital systems and all that. And in your, in your best hospitals, you go to Mayo Clinic or you go to, you know, uh, to, you know, Sloan Kettering or whatever your fancy cancer hospital is or your heart specialty hospital, they built them like cathedrals used to be built. So big pillars and columns and they've got arches and swooping staircases and marble and everything's gleaming steel and, uh, you know, glass. And, and so we build these cathedrals to give people a sense of awe and power but it doesn't necessarily ground them in beauty, right? And so the experience of walking into a hospital say, wow, this is a powerful place. It w- it's very similar to what you would see in, in the halls of Washington, D.C., and in the halls of power of politics. They're going to design hospitals similar to those because you're trying to demonstrate to those that walk in a sense of awe-inspiring power that makes them feel little. Uh, and so I would say that hospitals try to make you feel small right now. And we do that in many different ways, but most of all, perhaps the way humans interact in those places. You're seen as a patient in a black box of you know disease that's pouring into these hospitals, and you're not really treated like a human being. So not only is there you no know, art and massage and you know incredibly exquisite food and clean water and bathing and hot tubs and all this, there's simply no sense of humanity left in the process. You're thrown on, you know, cold gurney under fluorescent lighting, no clean air to breathe. It's processed air. You can't see a window for hours. The only hands that touch you are covered in latex gloves or your handed food that's, you know, looks like it was made in some sort of chemical plant. Like it's, it's just, there's nothing humane about the experience of being a patient at a typical modern hospital. And so we have not only lost the beauty, we've lost the humanity within the, the care of our you know, ail, sick and ailing and elderly. And we have yeah. come to see it as uh, an economic driver rather than a human experience. Yeah. You, and I, I feel like I'd be good with that environment if I had amputated an arm or something. And, it, it, and it's in, okay, this is full emergency, get all the the artificial blue light out and, and just like, yes, like, you know, I'm going to die in the next 24 hours. If this isn't addressed like right now, as like, sh- sure. It's when that approach spills into, Oh, I'm overweight or I feel anxious or I feel it becomes like the solution to all of the, the medical or health related issues. That's where I think it, that, that it becomes problematic. And then it's like, we worship, the doctor inside that, you know, behind those, behind the, those columns as the, as the holder of all of the information. But I think it's contained, if it is contained to what it's really truly is masterful at, I think it's like, it's brilliant. It's that it's when we try to just have an umbrella of that being like the, the overlords of all that is biological, mental, emotional well-being. you know, that's where it becomes problematic. I, I wanted to, so I went through the journey of intrinsic health. I, I really enjoyed 
the 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 whole process with that. And that's a, a program that you launched recently, and you guys were kind enough to let me go through it. And in that, something I wanted to touch on, which is this, the same vein as exactly what we're talking about, but I wanted to talk about the, the value of, um, I already mentioned awe, like just being like, just impressed with, with life, you know, coming to that point of just like, wow, you know, what that does to the body, you know, at a, at a, at a cellular level, structural level. And then also the value of play. Because I think a lot of these conversations can kind of come into like this space where it just feels very serious. And I don't know if being so serious necessarily is always the solution for something that perhaps is like, you know, what we really are looking for is levity, you know, and spaciousness, you know, within the body, within the mind, within the heart, you know. And so, so that's something that I'm, 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 I'd be curious your perspective on the value of, of, something as seemingly trite as like play for medicine. I think it's the highest expression of our humanness in the end. And almost regardless of what, you know, religious spiritual construct you've been witness to or studied, somebody at some point comes to realization that the whole thing is a cosmic joke. Like the fact that we can be serious yeah. about anything with a human psyche, with the frailty and limitations of a human mind limited by five senses that can only really imagine the scale of anything, right? Can we really imagine that we're one planet circulating one star within a, a galaxy of a billion solar systems? You know, no, nobody can. And then that's only one within a billion other galaxies. Like uh, you just can't wrap your head around these things. And then to then sense that we can like argue over a political stance or over a perception of whether something it, is my property line or your property line. These are just ludicrous constructs that are a result of our limited capacity to understand the, the scope and miraculous nature of certainly the cosmos, but even ourselves, we, we lose the understanding. And so when somebody comes in and says, you have thyroid disease, we can quickly adopt that as a reality and then make it our identity because we didn't have a, a previous identity that said we're not thyroid disease. <laughs> We, we, we are quickly programmed with these, these pieces of information because we hold such a vague sense of who we are and, and the, the galactic power within us to express not only health, but consciousness and this vital force of, of connectivity that lies within a human. And so there's a, an immediate levity that comes from scale up, scale down, look into it, and then think about your, your to-do list today or your sense of stressors in your day, and it does become humorous. But where we start with the journey of intrinsic health is really asking that bigger, deeper question of who are you? And we find out often that you perceive yourself as a long list of identities. And those could be mom, dad, sister, brother, employee, boss, you know, job title, whatever it is. And you go through that long litany. And that's who you then wake up in the morning, you have to connect to that because actually you're not any of those things. You're actually a human being with an ancient energetic force within you that we might call a soul or something that can either stay connected to your body or separate from your body and therefore your biology stops working. And so there's this energetic animation through this ancient energy source. There's a, a human physical body and the interplay or dance between those two create life and the beginnings and ends of what we would call biology or a human lifespan. And so in this setting, we've got 
a very interesting possibility that we have missed the beauty or the sense of humor about the entire human perspective of finite time, finite reality. We've lost the concept of the infinite, and therefore we make this serious judgment about the universe based on our finite perspectives. And that ultimately is laughable. You had mentioned the toddler earlier. We are truly in the toddlerhood of human identity and consciousness right now. And anytime you poke your head even slightly above toddlerhood, you start laughing because you just can't believe you allowed yourself to dominate your mind with the decades of stressors that you were programmed with that you adopted and, and thought were your reality. I want to take a moment and share something that is absolutely going beyond my expectations that is supplementing with ketone iq from hvmn it simulates a similar sensation that one would get from an extended fast that sensation of mental clarity focus um, like a, a, a flow state i find it to pair incredibly well with any type of nootropic supplement or caffeine i really love it with coffee in the morning i'll have it as a separate shot and after drinking the stuff you are not hungry like it cuts hunger for the next four to six hours and i uh, feel just feel clear it's very nice it's very pleasant uh, they have a six million dollar contract presently with u.s special operations command because the u.s special operations finds this stuff valuable so i think you guys will like it as well if you want to get a 20 percent discount you go to ketone-iq.com use promo code align 20 for 20 percent discount that's ketone-iq.com use promo code align 20 for 20 percent discount ketone is spelled k-e-t-o-n-e-iq.com promo code align 20. i'm going to take a moment and share a quick bedside routine that i've been utilizing which also relates to a question i have for you and listen carefully to the end as this is a special offer which includes free gifts. If I asked you, what is the number one health problem people from all over the world are facing? What would you think that is? If you guessed sleep, you'd be absolutely right. Honestly, the majority of people are lacking energy throughout the day, but a lack of energy is a symptom of a bigger problem that is very difficult to gain control over. And that problem is sleep. Something I've been utilizing that I've been absolutely loving for sleep is magnesium, specifically mag breakthrough. What I love about this stuff is it contains all seven essential forms of magnesium. I sometimes can be a little bit resistant to eating too much supplements, but magnesium is one of those ones that it is just not in our modern day soil. So I do highly recommend getting yourself some magnesium. I've been taking it every day for quite a long time. And also mag breakthrough is including free bottles of other goodness full line of digestive health products including their powerful digestive enzymes masszymes their patented probiotic p3om and their hcl product to alleviate heartburn and acid reflux that means you're getting free products to try that will support your digestive system so you experience less bloating and gas throughout the day and you also are going to have an optimized night's sleep all you got to do is go to magbreakthrough.com align 
podcast. You'll get 10% off of your magnesium and the first thousand customers will also be getting themselves a bottle of Massozymes P3OM and HCL. It is a ridiculous deal. It will absolutely improve your life and it's a hundred percent money back guarantee. It's a no brainer magbreakthrough.com slash align podcast. So I wonder what would be like the, the, the blueprint or the heuristics guide, the heuristic guide to get a person back into a state of like cooperative play, you know, and having like a glimmer in their eye and just having that. Cause is it like a nutritional thing? Is it a exercise thing? Is it an environmental condition thing? Is it a purpose is it community relationships? Like, how would you break that down if you were creating a guide, which, which you did, <laughs> the the journey of intrinsic health? But like, how would you break that down in in like a, an elevator pitch, like ba- like basic pyramid? Here's this is the foundation. Work your way up from there to get a glimmer back in one's eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you have to find abund- you have to find abundance at each of those levels, and I think it starts with where we started with the podcast, which is breath. Yeah, in a breath, you can find yourself. You inhale, you exhale, mm-hmm. and between the inhale and the exhale, there's a moment of stillness, and in that moment of stillness, you are being. And so, the first whole you know chapter of the eight chapter journey of journey is about being, and there's lots of opportunities for, for us to find that state of being certainly between the breath, certainly between the words, certainly between the thoughts of your day, there's a being there. There's a being that is between all of the human doingness. And that being is the humanity within you. It is the biologic expression of an ancient energy center that we'd call a soul perhaps. And so that animation of a body by a thing that's constant is always there and you can find it between the things that the human perception can conceive of right in that moment. But as you turn a a light switch off in that split second, there's almost a hyper awareness of your environment that happens such that it persists for a few seconds after the light is off, your eyes are adjusting, but you can see everything crystal clear for a few seconds there which is super interesting to me. So the, the room went totally dark instantaneously, and yet you can see everything. That's what we're moving towards. And you can get people into this state. You know, this I have a global health education summit that's free on my website. People want to do deep dives on some cool topics, but I usually will have a panel of doctors or specialists or colleagues or whatnot, or in some cases, patients on, and we'll, we'll do a deep dive on a topic. But I did one on death and rebirth. And I had a new, one of my good colleagues, a uh, wonderful friend, uh, Guy Danielson on. He was a neurosurgeon for 49 years in the operating room for 49 years. You can imagine how many surgeries he did. And so he was a, a trauma neurosurgeon down in Texas. And he tells a story in there of one of his patients that was basically brain dead on as soon as the EMS arrived, but the heart was still beating, still breathing, so brought her in. But she had been shot in the head six times in like kind of a drive-by shooting situation. She was just like a 40 year old woman in the neighborhood had nothing to do with the drug deals that were being shot up or anything else, but got stuck in the wrong place at the right time. 
and the, it had been a low caliber bullet. And so the bullets had stayed in her head and ricocheted around in her skull. And so she had like 40 track marks through her brain of bullets. And so they just ricocheted around. And so she had turned her brain into to scrambled eggs, basically. And so he tried to staunch the bleeding for hours. He was in the operating room for six hours trying to just, you know, do damage control. But basically just sewed her up at the end of the day and, and admitted her back into the ICU and said she'll be dead within 24, 48 hours or she'll certainly be buried dead however long she lasts. And he never saw her again. The ICU team took over again. And about six or nine months later, he was in clinic and some woman walked in and she introduced herself. She, he didn't recognize her and he's like, I don't remember you at all. And she's like, no, no, you, you, you were my doctor back six months ago. And he picks up her chart and starts paging through it and so, suddenly sees his operating note and realizes who this is. And she's completely neurologically intact, has absolutely no deficits whatsoever, and is sitting in front of him you know, as if nothing had ever happened. And he had been in her brain, seen the devastating you know, end of life trauma there. And she went ahead and told him everything that had happened once, you know, from the moment she hit the doors of the, operating, of the hospital. She told him what everybody looked like. She told him what the color and pattern was on his, his operating room uh, head head uh, mask that he had custom made for himself. So, I mean, she, there's no way she could have known any of this. And he kept asking, where were you in the room? She said, I was in the right, left, right, or the right upper corner of the, the room, looking back down onto the operating platform. So I could see the top of your head. I was watching your hands work on my head. And, and so she like you flip that light switch off and you can still see everything. She was in some weird place between the soul and the body in that second where the lights went out on her neurologic system, she could see everything from an extra body, extra corporeal space. And you'll hear people on plant medicines report this kind of stuff as well. If you can get out of the egoic mind, you actually can remove yourself to some sort of platform outside of the physical body to look back on your physical condition, to look at your situation from a different perspective. And the result of that is profound. It makes everything different. And so the first step towards health, the first step towards deep trauma healing, not just of traumas in your life, but the ancestral traumas that you're programmed with from at least 40 generations back to heal those. We have to separate ourselves from the beliefs of those, from the biologic reality of that. And so distancing yourself from that, from a near death experience or, you know, maybe plant medicine or deep meditation or breath work. Extreme exercise can get you into these spaces. So the ultra marathon runners and these people can get in these ecstatic states of existence where they can seemingly see further, see things down, see, be aware of family members that are somewhere else in the world. They, they get this extra parameter, extra neurologic, you know, sense of reality in their extremity of their efforts. And so whatever your path into it, you have the capacity to be beyond your biology. And so that's the first state is finding the silence between the breasts, finding the reality of you between the, the, the human doing this. Yeah. That's Yo-Yo Ma, the, the cell cellist, celloist, cellist. Yeah. Something that I, he's said that I've repeated lots of times over the years is the, the music happens between the notes. Mm. And I think that that's like, you know, there's the referencing Alan Watts. Now something that he's suggested is, you know, if the best, if life was a race or if like music was a race, then the best, most moving songs would be done in an instant, you know, but like, that's not how it works. <laughs> you know, it's, it's this buildup and this pause and this drama. And this is like, ah, it's like, that's the music. 
(laughs) You know, when you're in, and that's why art is so important. That's why, you know, the ancient Greeks had, like, you enter into medicine through music and through art. You know, it's not, it's not a race. And you simply, you know, you certainly enter into health through that aspect, right? And so the idea of yeah. medicine was, at the time, was reintroducing yourself to your own health. And that's what journey of intrinsic health literally means, which is you have health intrinsic to you. It is an intrinsic quality of being alive is a state of vital health and, in fact, ecstatic health, miraculous health. There is nothing that can possibly logically explain and hold the miracle that you are a 70 trillion celled organism with 1.4 quadrillion bacteria and, and fungi and 14 quadrillion mitochondria. Like these, it's just too vast, too extraordinary. So too beautiful that the symphony even works is beyond imagination. And so the, the, the reality is that we are the figment of the imagination of a grand cosmos that in all of its vibrational intelligence has come to the, a focal point of biologic expression. But we can't be defined by our parents' genetics. We can't be defined by the hormones that are currently coursing through my bloodstream. Those might dominate my five senses and my biology today, but I exist outside of and beyond all of that. I have to have something that is more infinite in its nature than any of that biology would allow for. And that's the exciting thing is that art gives us that entry point back into this intrinsic, miraculous thing that is constantly generating biology around it the biology Mm. disappears every millionth of a second and so anything made of an atom in that quantum physics reality is appearing and disappearing every millionth of a second and so millionth of seconds pretty short period of time in, in biologic chronology but it's actually a very long period of time in quantum physics and so in that millionth of a second there's a big gap there's 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 a big chunk of time that there's nothing there in that molecule and so then you picture, you know, millions, of, if not billions of molecules per cell, and then there's 70 trillion cells. Like these numbers are extraordinary, suggesting there's a lot of nothingness. There's a lot of moments where you at the cellular level are in a moment of non-existence at the finite level, and then you appear again. And the fact that you keep appearing as you, and you still look like Aaron that I started talking to you a few minutes ago. That's amazing. That's, that's a miracle that you're so well organized at the energetic level that you keep expressing the same body. That's ridiculously amazing. And it means that there's just a, co- a coherence there that proves itself every millionth of a second that it's still here. To create aging, we have to put it a division between that energetic infinite thing and the finite expression of biology. And so to age an organism is to put interference between it and its soul, the energy field and its biology, because the energy field is not decaying. The energy field at a hundred years or 10 billion years, it's irrelevant. It's energy can't be destroyed. So the energetic level you persist And at any time that you tie the biology back to the infinite nature of its energy field, you see stem cells turn on. You see this vibrant, explosive regeneration of the body. And interestingly, Dr. Black uh, Hall, who did a black hall, I may be off on her name. I don't know why. I just had a glitch in my matrix there. Uh, But she won the Nobel Prize for delivering or discovering telomerase. And telomerase is the enzyme that builds telomeres on the ends of our DNA sequences that we call genes. 
And so those uh, or chromosomes. And so the, the telomeres at the end of each gene there allow for replication of a gene to occur or a chromosome to occur without a detriment to its, the last you know, digits on that genetic code. And what she has found uh, is that it's not a pharmaceutical solution to turn on telomerase. It's an issue of, of getting back in touch with your soul. So she has studied spiritual song, chant from every people on the planet pretty much, and they all turn on telomerase. And so it's, we can show in that simple experiment that reconnecting to something of the infinite, your spiritual sense of source, whatever your perspective of God is, if you can tie to that through your spiritual practice, your your meditation, your chant, whatever it is, you will turn on the regenerative process of biology. You will not age if you're constantly connected to source. And so there's a real lesson to be learned there that biology, for all of its senses of separation, for its finite nature, has the ability to be separated from the infinite of its energy source, and we can see decay within biologic systems. And that's probably normal and probably not even a bad thing. It's just that the energy center is going to move to the next iteration of itself. It's going to manifest in some other physical finite moment when it lets go of the biology that's decaying around it. And so if you want to regenerate, stay close to your energy field, you will live a different arc. You might let go of the body at the same time. A lot of people die of old age. My grandmother did that. She died at 102, let go of the body, left. She didn't have a heart attack. She didn't, they, so it dies of old age. They put on the thing, right? Like <laughs> you can't pinpoint it. She just said, I'm not waking up tomorrow and leaves. And so that phenomenon is how most indigenous people have seen the end of life. They, they would wake up one morning and they say, ah, today is my last walk. And they walk out into the woods alone. They sit down by a tree and give up their spirit. Their body is found a couple days later by the tree. And so there, there's this capacity to disconnect and stay connected to the energy field that we would call soul and therefore pick our moment of entry and exit. And I believe we all do that at the soul level. I think our moment of exit is as strategically placed as our moment of entry. We're used to doing astrology on our birthday. I think you could also do astrology on your moment of death and find out that there's, it'll give you perspective on that lifetime. That lifetime not only checked that moment of birth, it picked that moment of disappearance, that moment of letting go of the physical body as carefully as it did before. And it's interesting to see, you know, born Scorpio exit as a Taurus. What does that mean? What, what is their next journey going to look like? Do they pick that Taurus as a new energy for their next journey? Or is the Taurus to look back on their own life through a different lens and say, oh my gosh, I expressed myself as Scorpio this whole time. But from the perspective of Taurus in my moment of letting go, I can see the whole matrix backwards and I can see it through a different lens. And I see a different beauty to myself and to my relationships and to my productivity over my lifetime. So there's a continuum of energy and we are connected to it biologically for a moment. And if we stay closer, tuned into that energy field, we become more resilient, more regenerative. And that's really what journey of intrinsic health is about is how do we use the space between the sense of being? How do we use nutrition, breath work? fasting, play as mechanisms to tie back into this infinite and finite dance, the finite biologic expression of an infinite being. And how do we tune you back into the coherence that's letting you reappear every millionth of a second? Can we remind you of your original math that expressed a biologic thing that we called an infant that was regenerating its skin so fast that if it tripped and fell 
in 10 months of age when it started to learn, it, it, the knee was better the next day. In fact, there was no scar even because the healing was so thorough, there was no need for scar tissue. It literally regenerated healthy skin without the memory of scar. By the time we're eight, 10 years old, we start to scar more and we carry more of those scars with us a lifetime. So there's a detriment in our healing capacity between the age of you know, two and eight. And we can actually map that at the mitochondrial level. We start to lose our mitochondrial density per cell by age two. And so our capacity to regenerate due to a, a decreased capacity to produce energy at the tissue level is leading to this decrement of expression of renewal, regeneration. Wanted to share something that has been one of the most important health inducing practices that I engage with that is cold plunging. One of the issues with cold plunges is often they are ridiculously expensive. I think it's worth it because uh, as far as a, a practice that you can be engaging with each day, getting the cold, it's going to boost your mood. It's going to boost your energy levels. It's going to decrease inflammation levels in your body. It's going to be helpful with boosting metabolism. Just about 11 minutes of it per month is around like the baseline to be able to achieve that. And uh, the reason that I linked up with our sponsor of the day, the Ice Barrel, is because it is an affordable option that is also beautiful. It's sitting on my porch right now. It's a vertical barrel of sorts. It's quite large, actually. It's deceptively large how big a person you can fit in there. I'm like six, four and a half, and I fit in very comfortably. Um, but it doesn't take up a ton of space. Uh, so you also get yourself $125 off of the purchase by going over to icebarrel.com slash align. You'll get $125 off the purchase and it's already affordable, which is great. It's I-C-E-B-A-R-R-E-L.com slash align. I can't recommend cold plunging enough. I think the ice barrel is great. I hope you enjoy your $125 off icebarrel.com slash line. I want to take a moment and share one of my absolute favorite protein rich snacks. Those are the beef sticks from Paleo Valley. Why do I like Paleo Valley? Uh, typically, I don't promote meat at all. It's something you won't really hear me talk about. Uh, I am a very strong proponent of regenerative farming, and that is exactly how they do it at Paleo Valley. They're, the cows are 100% happy, 100% grass-fed. Um, they do a process where they cycle them from different plots of grass to keep them circulating, which actually is a net positive for carbon emissions each year. It sequesters carbon from the atmosphere. Um, they are also, they're not using any preservatives or any of the BS. So they have a natural fermentation process. So it's got a really just a, an amazing blend of probiotics in there as well. Healthy fats. It's such a rich snack to engage with. And that's why I like it. I eat them pretty much every day. And I think you guys will appreciate them as well. You can get yourself 15% off by going to paleovalley.com slash align. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com slash align. They also have a plethora of other delicious snacks. Uh, and I think you're going to really enjoy them. I think it's a, an amazing company. I stand behind them 100%. It's healthy. It is vitamin and mineral and healthy fat and protein rich. And it'll make a difference in you and your family's life. Paleovalley.com slash align for 15% off. Something that came to mind as you're talking about the aging part, kind of visualizing like 
what are they called? The, the, the Venus fly trap. Is that what they call when you try to pull your fingers out and the harder you pull, it's more Chinese like, finger like trap there. Lock. Yeah. Yeah. What did I call it? Venus. Yeah. Chinese yeah. finger <laughs> trap. Yeah. My, my matrix is glitching as well. Apparently <laughs> the resistance that folks may have around aging just adds stress and expedites the aging process. It just like adds another crank to the vice grip of cellular degeneration or, or, you know, whatever we, we call aging or like moving back into the ground. And that's just so interesting. (laughs) It's the release, you know, there's another, uh, I think, I don't know, Alan Watts probably reference. And he said something like the, imagine if, if a tree started to, it became fall and the, the tree leaves became, started to get orange and red and like these beautiful, rich colors. So you're like, oh, like fall is most people's favorite time of year to be around it. We love being around transition and decay and, and, and like that whole process and the metaphor and new beginnings, unless it's with us. <laughs> <laughs> so to, to like, I, I wonder what a world that would be in to have that same level of appreciation of autumn that you have with a tree to have with, with self. I wonder what that would do at a cellular, biological, structural level. It eliminates level. <laughs> yeah, it eliminates stress yeah. is the short answer to that. You know, it, only the human would relate aging to a stress phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know, and only the human can create a story or a narrative that would decrease its value at 70 versus 7 uh, years of age. The elephant, I really don't believe, sees itself suddenly obsolete when it turns 50. You know, like that that Indian elephant that's going to live to 90 or 120 years old, that elephant sees its value at every single moment of being an elephant. It knows itself. It expresses itself. And it can experience the whole gamut of emotions, by the way. Grief, loss. Elephants are so good at expressing the missing of their their relatives and those that have gone before them and they go back and they they fondle the bones of of their grandmother or whatever it is you know and so there's this remembrance within the elephant it's not like it's like doesn't know that it's 50 or 80 years old it remembers not only itself it remembers the whole construct of the family over its lifetime and knows where those bones lie within the graveyard of and the fact that they have a graveyard is amazing, right? So the, all the elephants walk to the graveyard and die there. Like You don't see elephants carrying each other dead back to the, the graveyard. They know to go to the graveyard when they're dying and they give up their spirit, just as the indigenous person who goes to walk to the tree. And so we have this innate knowing when we are spiritual beings animating biology of when we should enter and when we should exit. And it, it's by the construct of blaming and scarcity again that we create stress over the aging process. Oh my gosh, I don't have much time left. I don't have, you know, much health left. I don't have much memory left. I don't have much fill in the blank. And then you start to live in this desperate state of insecurity of, oh my gosh, wrinkles mean that my brain's going. Wrinkles mean that my beauty is going. Wrinkles mean that my vitality is going. Instead of realizing that there is no difference in your vitality as an energetic being between age two and 120, those are the same same souls with exactly the same amount of energy expressing itself. Hmm. It's I think that what leads to that what wizened elder that can give us these massive downloads. You know the Alan Watts of our our time. Those elders among us 
give us wisdom because they've learned to connect to the silence between the doingness and they no longer see themselves as metric as valuable because they go out and produce a certain number of dollars a month or they make a certain number of widgets at their production job. They come to realize that they are valuable because they are an infinite being tied to an infinite conscious field of knowledge and they have all the answers within them if they listen long enough. And if they write, ask the right questions and are willing to believe they know the answer. And so there's this beauty that exists in the elder who stopped identifying themselves as a biologic finite being only useful because they're young, beautiful, and productive and start realizing, well, I'm an energy field that's far beyond the limitations of this finite biologic expression of my life. I'm going to tap into something deeper. And we see this in art. You know, the, the Monet and, and a lot of the Impressionists developed their art because their vision was failing and they simply saw light differently. And so from you know youth to aging, you see Monet's art progress and he birthed a whole new science of, of art uh, that we would call Impressionism <laughs> out of his failure of, of vision. And so was that really failure of vision or did he take the advantage of saying, Maybe all of his colleagues before him said, boy, I can't see as well. I can't do art anymore because somebody had given them a definition of what the landscape portrait should look like. Whereas Monet starts really, you know, embracing this shift that happens as he starts to see the lake and the bridge differently. And suddenly the flowers look different. They look like blotches instead of, you know, spectral beings. And he starts to express what he's seeing on canvas. And he sees a whole different version of beauty that now just enraptures us. If you haven't seen like the the immersive Van Gogh, Van Gogh, it's just like a reminder of the beauty of the the abstraction of the visual you know imagination that we have to something much greater. Van Gogh saw the energy behind the physical form, and so in Starry Night. That piece from Van Gogh where you see the swirling energies in the darkness between the stars. He's painting the swirling energies of the vacuum space. Imagine seeing that. Imagine what that would feel like to be able to see the space between. And that's what he was expressing ultimately. And that's what we can begin to appreciate as the aging allows in our disconnection from the, the biologic reality, we can start to embrace the immortal reality, the energetic, infinite nature that all of the biology is manifesting within. Do, do I have time to ask you one more thing and you could be as brief about it as possible? Thank you. Uh, I know you have to go, go in, in a few, few minutes. So I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. Uh, and one of the, the final pieces that I think would be really valuable to touch on would be, I'd be curious to hear your perception of um, just what is light? Uh, how, why, when, maybe not so many details because we don't have enough time for it. But I think similarly, the way that there at, at some point in time, for whatever reason that may be, there's a bit of an alienation or divergence away from certain aspects of ourselves or nature, et cetera. I think that also has happened with uh, our relationship to the sun. And we kind of have this, this new like denatured relationship with artificial lights inside of a house, perfectly safe, you know, get, get all that all day long, all night long, whatever the sun, you know, cancer, (laughs) 
you know and so like what where where is where does light exist is light within us is how do we if we are afraid of sunlight is that some type of resistance towards self am i making all that up what are you what are you what are your, your thoughts on that Hey y'all, if you would like to hear Dr. Bush's response to this question, you can find it over in the Align community, which is absolutely free. It can be found at alignpodcast.com slash community. That's alignpodcast.com slash community, completely free. I pop in there every day to answer questions and comments. It is a fantastic community of like-minded individuals. We share exclusive content around strength training, flexibility, longevity, nutrition, and all things you need to keep that sweet, sultry body of yours feeling good for the rest of your life. So that can be found at alignpodcast.com slash community. Thanks so much for, for uh, being you and, and doing this and making time to, to do this. It's fun to be together. And, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the breath work to start uh, us off. That, that's reconnecting us to the light. Isn't that a good way to do it? Um, where can people go to learn more? I would love to be able to continue on. Well, I mean, hopefully we'll, there'll be many more conversations like this to come, but where, where could people go from here to, uh, to go deeper into, into your work? Sure. All the education material uh, is uh, free on my website, zachbushmd.com. That's the journey of intrinsic health is on there as well. That's, that's a, a paid eight week course, but the free content is under global health education. So you can get free content. You can pay content there. There's a bunch of commune courses too on the commune platform that you can find out about cardiovascular disease or cancer and other topics like that. And, and so commune journey of intrinsic health.com is uh, the direct site to that community. We're very excited about this eight week program because we've actually launched an app now that allows that community to stay connected after they've gone through the course. And we see hundreds of people now that are maintaining community following the course. And so they're creating user groups on special interests and they're creating, you know, functional, um, meetup groups within their communities and all that. So even though it's an online program, we're, we're finding the ability to, to create in-person community through this user network uh, that's on the Journey of Intrinsic Health app. So you can get the help, the app anytime, but uh, to, to become part of the community, you'll, you'll go through the coursework. And uh, it's, a, it's an exciting place to get engaged. For some of the Intelligence and in Nature stuff, intelligenceandnature.com, that's uh, get you into that microbiome communication network and how that's been turned into a dietary supplement and all that stuff. So uh, lots of information there. Our nonprofits that are working to educate consumers and farmers alike on how we can move towards a regenerative future where we're all producers rather than consumers is farmersfootprint.us. Uh, in Australia, that's farmersfootprint.org slash Australia or AU or .au, I guess it is, farmersfootprint.org.au. Yeah, that's the Australian one. So you'll find us uh, there, the, the nonprofit space, and for a, a new program that we've just launched. If you're interested in sociopolitics and how we start to create a sociopolitical change that is something outside of the polarized environment that we currently see the two-party system moving us, then you can take a look at Institute of Natural Law and Gov that and Governance. The website on that one is www.naturallawandgov.org, naturallawandgov.org. So those are some of the places you can stay connected and create this future that we all want that looks much different than the one that we currently live in. Thank you so much, man. I will have all of those links in the show notes. so People can just jump over there at alignpodcast.com. And yeah, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you and uh, I look forward to next time. Thank you all so much for tuning in. That is it. That is all. Over now. 
Hope you guys devoured that conversation. If you want to hear the final clip of Dr. Bush breaking down what the heck light is in our environment, what is our relationship to it, why does that matter, you can find that over at the Align community, which is absolutely free, and it's found at alignpodcast.com slash community. If you found this conversation to be meaningful and something you'd like to share, feel free to tag Dr. Bush at Zach Bush MD. Tag me at Align Podcast, and uh, I love seeing the clips and parts that you guys enjoy from these episodes. I am so grateful for y'all for tuning in, and I hope this conversation was supportive. And thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for doing you. I'll see you next week.